Time now for Rocky Jordan. You can't always be right, but with the practice I've had, it doesn't take long to spot a phony. She had on low tan Oxford shoes, service weight hose that disappeared under the hem of a very new-lookish tweed suit. Her hair was plastered down in a severe updo that left her ears sticking out as perfect resting places for the brown tortoiseshell arms of her glasses. She was carrying a brown leather briefcase, and the end of her nose was tilted just a little as if something smelled. I thought so, too. Again, we bring you a story of adventure with Rocky Jordan, proprietor of the Cafe Tambourine, which stands in a narrow street off Cairo's native quarter in sight of the mosque Sultan Hassan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men of the waterfronts, alive with the babble of many languages. Now, Rocky Jordan and tonight's story, Up in Flames. From her hairdo to her round-toed Oxford shoes, she looked 100% businesswoman. I mentally turned up my sales resistance to medium and sat back. She learned her lines for the role by heart. Mr. Jordan, I am Miss Bates. I represent the International Fire Insurance Company with head office in New York. I am certain that you already carry fire insurance, but with the rising costs of building materials and good labor, is it adequate to replace your establishment if it were to burn to the ground? Oh, Miss Bates, I... I... am certain it is not, Mr. Jordan. My company, sensing the trend of the upward spiral in replacement costs, has decided to extend for this fiscal period an added inducement policy covering the differential in costs that has developed. Now, look, Miss Bates, no doubt what you say is true, but I'm not interested in any more fire insurance. Mr. Jordan, your attitude is typical. But under the current circumstances, don't you think it would be wise to reconsider... What circumstances, Miss Bates? Surely, Mr. Jordan, you must be aware of the unusual number of major fires in Cairo in the last three months. All right, sister, drop the act. What's the pitch? Mr. Jordan, you do me a great injustice. In all the Oh, excuse me. Hello, Cafe Tambourine. Hello, Rocky Jordan. Speaking. Oh, Rocky, this is Lefty Miller. I met you in the back room of Gus Gimlick's snooker parlor, remember? Oh, yeah. How's the broken nose and cauliflower ear business? Same as always, Rocky. I'm in a semi-final bout tonight at the American Club. Coming to the fight? Oh, I thought I'd drop in. Why? Um, I'd like to have you come down to my dressing room before my fight. I got a little favor to ask. Why not ask me now? I can't, Rocky. It's something personal. It takes too long to explain over the phone. What do you say, Rock, huh? Oh, okay, Lefty. I'll stop by. That's uh, well, Rocky. I'll leave a ringside ticket for your information test. Oh, thanks. Don't mention it. See you tonight, Rock. Goodbye. Now, Mr. Jordan. Hmm? Oh, uh, you still here, Miss Bates? Here's my business card. Both day and night telephone numbers are on it in case you wish to reconsider. One never knows when a conflagration might cause irreplaceable loss. Oh, I'm certain one doesn't, Miss Bates. Well, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Mr. Jordan, Mr. Agrazian, who owned the frozen food lockers at 937 Kamal Street, Mr. Tanute, who owned the hotel at 3014 Shari Motopar, and Mr. Shoup, who owned the drugstore at the corner of Bakil and Canal, felt exactly as you do. Now, since their establishments have been completely destroyed by fire... They are very glad they reconsidered and took out adequate protection with my company. You might check with them, Mr. Jordan. They might help you to change your mind. With that clincher, she closed the door and left. 
I decided to check up on her little game, so I ignored her card, looked up the telephone number of the International Fire Insurance Company in the phone book, dialed the number, and asked for the manager. This is Mr. Temple speaking. Who's calling, please? Oh, I want some information about fire insurance. I already have some, but I, I need more. Will your company issue additional insurance? Oh, indeed we will, sir. In fact, at this very time, our company, sensing the trend of the upward spiral... Truth is stranger than... The main building of the club. I want you to come down immediately. Okay, Sam. I'll, I'll be right over. Now, you there. What are you... Good evening, Mr. Jordan. When my husband, Timothy, here, told me how agitated you sounded on the telephone earlier this evening, I realized you must have reconsidered. So we got dressed and hurried right over. Now, Mr. Jordan, just how much additional fire insurance do you think you will need? Rocky Jordan returns in just a moment. On New Year's Day, CBS will devote every facility to accurately bring you the happenings in Pasadena, all the beauty and color of the parade and the thrilling play-by-play -play description of the Rose Bowl game. Now back to Rocky Jordan and tonight's story, Up in Flames. It all started when Miss Bates, tweed suit, horn-rimmed glasses, and briefcase had tried to sell me some extra fire insurance. I didn't like the deal. I couldn't put my finger on the spot where it left the straight and narrow, so it still bothered me. Item one, the prize fighter named Lefty Miller, who took a dive in the third round of his fight, and his manager blamed me. Item two, a fire in back of my cafe tambourine. Item three, and this is where things started happening two at a time, Sam Sabaya called me on the phone. And at the same time, at 11 o'clock at night, who should walk into my office but that certain Miss Bates and her husband, Mr. Temple? Subject, fire insurance. I said, Mr. Jordan, how much additional fire insurance do you think you'll need? Well, look, something has just come up that's going to delay my decision. But, Mr. Jordan, you see... The that... American Club gym has burned down. Oh, what? good Lord, another one. And a prize fighter was burned to death in his dressing room. Oh, how awful. And Captain Sam Sabaya wants me to come right over, so if you'll both pardon me... We'll do more than pardon you, Mr. Jordan. We'll drive you down there. Come on. Truth is stranger than... Truth is stranger than fiction. Men with Tommy guns. They're surrounding the house. It wasn't hard to spot Gus, even in the crowd. He was all Greek and a yard wide. He weighed a little over 300 pounds. He looked up from a form chart as I walked over. Hello, Rocky. You'll have to hurry if you want to get the bed done. The fifth is about to start. Horses are entering the starting. Oh, thanks. Just same, Gus. I'll sit this one out. Suit yourself, Rocky. You got something on your mind? Yeah. You know Lefty Miller's fight manager, Gus? His name is Mac. Yeah, they're all in the start. Yes, game. I know Mac. He's not very smart, but he's honest. Why? Well, I want to get in touch with him. Know where I might find him? And there they go. Yeah, the fifth race is started. Blue Flash is going to the front. Ernie Keltner is second. Maximilian is third. Day's end is fourth. Flying Knight is fifth. And up in flames. Where can I find him, Gus? Later, Rocky. After the race. Blue 
flash in front by a nose. Ernie Keltner is second by one length. Day's End is pulling up between horses. It is now third. Maximilian is fourth flying night and up in flame. Who's the favorite, Gus? Day's End. But most of these in guys the got bets on the long side. Up in flames. Up in flames. <laughs> up in flames. They said it was a hot tip, Rocky. God, Gus, your bankroll's going up in flames. It's Blue Flash, Day's End, and up in flames. Now it's Day's End and Blue Flash, and up in flames. They're in a drive and coming down to the line of finish. It's Day's End, and up in flames. And up in flames gets up to win it by a nose. Day's End is second, and Ernie Keltner is third in front of Blue Flash. Not too bad, Gush. Can't win all the time. Don't worry, Rocky. I'll get it back. There are still two races to go. Now they'll all bet on the long shots. I hope they do, Gush. But to get back to where I can find Mac. Oh, yes. I don't know where he lives, but he hangs around Lefty's apartment all the time. It's 847 St. George Street. 847 St. George Street turned out to be a medium-sized apartment house in a middle-class neighborhood. I paid the driver and walked up the six stone steps to the entranceway. The entrance light was burned out, so I scratched a match. The name Lefty Miller was on the mailbox, numbered 311. I started to flick out the match and stopped. Just under it on the mailbox, numbered 211, was the name Mr. and Mrs. Timothy Temple. It was a mild shock, but I'd been waiting for something like this all evening. Things had to tie together, and maybe this was it. I went upstairs and knocked on the door just under where it said 311. I hoped the door would open. It did. And I got another shock. This one gave me the full treatment. Well, Rocky Jordan, come in, come in. It was Lefty Miller, and very much alive. Come in, Rocky, come on in. I went in. Lefty seemed glad to see me. While I stood there trying to believe my eyes, I noticed on a long table about five or six radios with their parts scattered all around them. I'm uh, glad you dropped by, Rocky. Did you get that bet down on me to lose? This may come as sort of a mild surprise, Lefty, but not more than an hour ago. I left your dead body lying in three inches of sooty water in what was left of dressing room seven after the fire. My dead body? Fire? What fire? You don't know that the American Club gym burned down? Well, no, Rocky, but what do you mean? There was a body in your dressing room that everyone figured was you. Good Lord, Benny. Benny? Yeah, my sparring partner in second. Rocky, this is awful. They'll say I killed him. Did you? No. I'll admit we had a quarrel. I, I knocked him out, but I didn't kill him. Wait a minute. You said just now, did I get the bet down on you to lose? That's what Benny and I had to fight about. I didn't tell him I was going to take that dive in the third round. Then it was a phony dive. Sure, I admit it. Benny bet on me to win. He was sore about it. He swung on me after Mac left. I let him have one on the chin, left him lying on the rubdown table. I turned out the lights, closed the door, and left. That's all. Hey... You didn't bet my money on me to win, did you? I didn't bet your money at all. I gave it to Mac when he came over to my cafe later. It's more happy. Truth, if truth is stranger than fiction. Ariel Motorfar, in what used to be Mr. Tanut's small hotel. From there, we wheeled around, went to what used to be Mr. Shoop's drugstore at the corner of Bakil and Canal. Then I gave the driver the address of 847 St. George Street 
settle back to count my evening's loot. Adding them up carefully, they would just come to the price of the new American airmail postcard. I told the driver to wait, ran up the six stone steps and went inside. This time I knocked on the door right under where it said 211. I figured when the door opened, it'd be Timothy Temple. It was, and he was in a bathroom. Mr. Jordan. Uh, Thanks for asking me in, Temple. What do you mean by forcing your way in like this? What do you want, Jordan? I'm on to your game, Temple. Did you ever see these before? You're asking me to identify four American pennies, Mr. Jordan? They're yours, aren't they? How would I know? Look, will you please go? Mrs. Temple and I were about to go to sleep. Who is it, dear? What is going on? Oh, Mr. Jordan. Well, you look quite different without your glasses, Miss Bates. Uh, Mrs. Temple. Mr. Jordan, I don't know why you forced your way in here like this, but will you please go? We would like to go to sleep. With that radio on in the bedroom? Sounds more like you were dancing. Mr. Jordan, that radio is not in our bedroom. It is in the apartment upstairs. That awful man plays his radio day and night. And what is more, he is a prize fighter, and when Timothy reprimanded him, he offered to knock my husband's block off. We're going to move just as soon as we can find another apartment. Uh, It's just possible I could be wrong about you two. What are you getting at, Jordan? Why did you want me to identify those four coins? Let me ask one, friend. Who besides you and your wife would know to whom you had sold extra fire insurance? It is odd you ask, Mr. Jordan. My husband and I have tried to keep that information a secret between us, discussing it only here at home. The number of our clients having fires is alarmingly high. The head office is quite disturbed. What would happen if you could prove those fires were deliberately set just to collect the insurance? Why, we could force them to return the money and put the guilty persons in prison. But what makes you think the fires were not accidental? There's no proof. I've got the proof, Temple. Wait a minute. You stay right here. I've got an idea. I left Mr. and Mrs. T looking at each other without saying a word. I didn't count the steps between 211 and 311, but there weren't many. I tried the door of 311. It wasn't locked, so I opened it. And here they are. Lefty was gone. The music was coming from one of the radios. I walked over and turned it off. Mr. and Mrs. Temple's voices were coming out of a pair of headphones lying on Lefty's work table. It all fit now. I had my answers. I walked over to the phone and called Sam. Colorado Police. Captain Zabaya. Uh, Jordan, Sam. Any of you boys around this time of night? Certainly. Why? If they want to know where you're taking them, tell them you're going to a fire. Jordan, what are you talking about? No time for details, Sam. Meet me at my cafe as soon as you can. Maybe we can catch the guy red-handed. I think somebody's getting ready to set fire to the tambourine. Hurry, Sam. When we pulled up in front of the tambourine, there was no sign of Sabaya. I tossed the driver a five-pound note and reached for my keys as I crossed the sidewalk. Except for the little service light in the back of the bar, the cafe was dark. I opened the front door, started for my office. I figured I'd find him there. I was just about even with the foot of the stairs going up to my room over the office when the upstairs door opened and he was framed in the light. I started up the stairs after him. He met me halfway and proved the theory that what goes up must come down. We untangled at the foot of the stairs and I swung on him. I should have known better. He was a trained fighter. He caught me right on the button and I went backwards against one of the service tables full of glass and silverware. I got up and started for him again. His back was to the front door. Just then, Sam, with full siren, pulled up out front. 
My opponent turned. His chin was silhouetted against the glare and the headlights, and I let him have it. And for the second time in one night, Lefty Miller took a dive. Only this time it was... Truth is... The fuse turned off the lights, closed the door, and left. Perfect alibi. But the tambourine, George. Oh, that follows, Sam. He'd fix the light switch in my bedroom. I'd come in and figure I'd forgotten to turn the light off. Finally, I'd turn it off and go to bed. Then when I was asleep, the short would develop. No tambourine, no Jordan. Up in flames. Up in flames? Hmm. <laughs> you don't miss a bet, do you, Jordan? I wondered what you were doing in Gosh Gimlick's back room tonight. <laughs> Rocky Jordan is presented from Columbia Square in Hollywood and stars Jack Moyles in the title role. Tonight's story was produced, written, and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Milton Charles. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.